If you were to picture a king, this isn't what you'd expect. Over the next two weekends, we'll be exploring three surprising portraits in Luke's Gospel. There's a royal arrival on the donkey. There's a bloody execution. And there's an empty tomb. This Easter, meet a king like no other. A rejected and rescuing king. A risen and returning king. There's a lot of traditions that we do that are pretty weird. Is Easter just another one of those? Um, I guess there's lots of ideas about what it's about. And Good Friday is even more weird, isn't it? Because when you consider it marks the day of an execution, someone's death. Why is that good? Why is it cause to celebrate? We're familiar with the cross emblem uh, because we see it often, don't we? Christians wear it around their neck. Uh, but that's weird. Uh, why would they choose to wear this symbol, uh, which is actually a form of execution uh, from their necklace? Why would they want equivalent of the electric chair dangling, swinging from their neck? And even more weird if you consider that their own leader was put to death that very way. Why would they want to remember that? Well, maybe it's not so weird because uh, you might think that religions all around the world have founders and they each have a day to remember when they died. Uh, maybe Easter is just another opportunity to, to remember the, the Christian leader, Jesus, who, who died the day that he died. But I think we're going to see a bit more to his death today. And it's great that you can join us for the session two as we look at three portraits through the book of Luke of Jesus. Uh, we're in the middle and we're looking at um, Jesus on the cross, which is in Luke chapter 23. And the idea is to pick up on what Luke wants us to notice about his account of the events that day. First, Luke wants us to know that Jesus is innocent. Second, that Jesus' accusers are in fact guilty. And lastly, that Jesus' innocent death is access for a guilty man. First then, Jesus is innocent. We see that in Luke chapter 23, 13 to 60. Pilate then called together the chief priests and the rulers and the people and said to them, You brought me this man as one who was misleading the people, and after examining him before you, behold, I did not find this man guilty of any of your charges against him. Neither did Herod, for he sent him back to us. Look, nothing deserving death has been done by him. I will therefore punish and release him. In that reading we heard the words of Pilate, uh, the Roman governor, who reported that he, he found nothing like the charges uh, that they were bringing against Jesus uh, in his examination. He says, there is nothing, I have found nothing deserving of death. Jesus is innocent and Pilate and Herod can find no reason to have him put to death. And it's not just their word, others are saying it too. In fact, those who are closest to watch Jesus die say it to the Roman soldier that put him there and the thief next to him. We see that in verse 41. The criminal on the cross says, uh, this man has done nothing wrong. The Roman centurion says, surely this man was innocent. If Luke, Pilate or Herod, the thief that was beside Jesus or the soldier that watched him die were around today, that's what they tell you. Jesus is innocent. 
These witnesses testify what even Jesus' closest friends knew. Jesus never sinned. Zechariah's description was one who would be righteous and having salvation. Which leaves us asking, why did he die? Well, there's two explanations, and the first one might not seem that surprising. Uh, but I think they're both true and they're both linked. The first is that people wanted him there. We can see that all are guilty. And we see that in Luke chapter 23, verses 18 to 25. But they all cried out together, Away with this man, and release to us Barabbas, a man who had been thrown into prison for a riot started in the city, and for murder. Pilate addressed them once more, desiring to release Jesus. But they kept shouting, Crucify, crucify him. A third time he said to them, Why, what evil has he done? I have found in him no evil deserving death. I will therefore punish and release him. But they were urgent, demanding with loud cries that he should be crucified, and their voices prevailed. He released the man who had been thrown in prison for insurrection and murder, for whom they had asked, but he delivered Jesus over to their will. The most obvious explanation for Jesus' death is surely that people wanted him dead, right? We see that again and again and again. They say, crucify him. We want Jesus dead. Luke wants us to see that everyone was involved in this. All are implicated in the act. So in verse 18, he, he says that Pilate called together the chief priests and the elders, the rulers, and all the people. And when they cry out in verse, eight, verse 21, they do it together. Their decision is unanimous and it's in, reinforced. Pilate says, I don't want to. And they say, do it three times. So Luke means absolutely everyone here. Even those who hadn't joined in the taunts were party to this wretched deed. In verse 35, Luke names and implicates those who had passively gathered to watch. And later, they are the same crowds that returned home, beating their breasts, a sign of grief and repentance. And when they came to the place that is called the skull, there they crucified him and the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they cast lots to divide his garments, and the people stood by watching, but the rulers scoffed at him, saying, He saved others, let him save himself, if he is the Christ of God, the chosen one. The soldiers also mocked him, coming up and offering him sour wine, and saying, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was an inscription over him, This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who were hanged rowed at him, saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him, saying, do you not fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we are receiving the just reward of our deeds, but this man has done nothing wrong. Did you see that? In their mockery of Jesus, Jew and Gentile, official and commoner, soldier and prisoner are united. Sworn enemies who'd usually be un unwilling to do anything co cooperatively are now acting in one accord, in mockery of Jesus. Luke records every word of their accusations and it's such a thorough record that it reads more like a witness testimony. And that's the twist. This is meant to be Jesus' aggressors putting Jesus on trial, but it reads more like Jesus' aggressors being on trial. And Luke's giving evidence against them. They're the guilty ones. All are guilty in this act. 
In his second volume, uh, Luke writes in the book of Acts these words. The God of our fathers glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered over and denied in the presence of Pilate when he had decided to release him. But you denied the holy and righteous one and asked for a murderer to be granted to you. And you killed the author of life, whom God raised from the dead. To this we are witnesses. They are guilty. That's why he's putting, laying this down now, is because they are going to see uh, when Peter says that to them in his second book. And Luke wants us to see that all people are guilty and that all of humanity are united against God and against his anointed one. Um, that all people, uh, given the choice, would have Jesus out of the picture. Well, we've seen that Jesus is innocent. We've seen that all are guilty. And now we're going to see that Jesus' innocent death gives access to a guilty man. And we see that in Luke chapter 23, verses 42 to 49. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, truly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. It was about the sixth hour and there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour, while the sun's light failed and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. And Jesus, calling out with a loud voice, said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And having said this, he breathed his last. I bet money that if you'd had an open chat with a Christian, you know that this kind of thing would have been something they'd said. You would have heard them draw the connection between this event, the death of Jesus, and sins being forgiven. But my suspicion is that it probably sounded a bit arbitrary to you. By that I mean a random consequence. This happens over here, there's no connection, and this happens over here. What's the logic? Maybe you discounted it anyway, dubbing it to be too good to be true. One of those offers you can't really rely on or trust. Well, if you still need convincing, hear it from Jesus himself. He makes that connection. In verse 34, he says, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. And then in verse 43, he says to the man who has just asked him, today you will be with me in paradise. Luke records just two sentences that Jesus speaks from the cross. He could have included what the other gospel writers do, which is, my God, why have you forsaken me? Or John saying, it is finished, Jesus' final words. But no, he, he alone records this final conversation that Jesus has with someone. The second man who hung beside him, and he's a nasty piece of work. He's there because he's done some serious things. He's got a list of offences as long as his arm. He's a criminal condemned to die for heinous crimes he committed against others. We see in what he says that that's a realisation that he had. He was being punished justly, receiving the penalty he deserved. And that realisation always comes together with the realisation of the need of Jesus to give access. That's simply what he asks, isn't it, in verse 42. Jesus, you're the king. Remember me when you come into your kingdom. Literally, take me with you. So it's access that he needs and asks for. And it's access that Jesus gives. In verse 43, Jesus unreservedly grants it to him. His full and immediate access today you will be with me. Well, access is the theme of another detail 
that all, all the Gospels mention. Access is a theme of another detail that Luke mentions here in his Gospel. It's, it's in passing, so you might have missed it. It's there in verse 45. Luke's recording the exact scene at the moment of Jesus' Jesus's death. And the first thing we notice is that the whole place is plunged into darkness. This isn't an eclipse, it lasted for three hours. This is the original Black Friday. And then he says, and the curtain in the temple was torn in two. Why has Luke shifted the scene suddenly from, from the hillside to the temple? Well, in the temple there was this curtain, and the curtain was a physical representation of the place of us being separated from the presence of a holy God, because we couldn't access him. To do that would be deadly. We're sinful. He's perfect. And the two can't be together. And if you entered unauthorised, you'd be struck down immediately by God himself. And at the exact point of Jesus' death, that curtain is removed. The way of safe access to God for sinful people has now been opened. So what does this mean for you? Uh, that Jesus is innocent, that all are guilty, and that Jesus' innocent death gives access to guilty people. Well, the cross proves that Jesus is innocent and all are guilty. He is the only access for guilty sinners to a holy God. You might be like that criminal with a list of offences as long as you are. Everyone else has written you off and said, they're, they're the kind of person that's, uh, that's judged by God, surely. Rot in hell, you'd see on the front cover of the newspaper. And yet, God extends this invitation to you through his son. Turn to him, see that you are guilty before holy God. See that Jesus gives access to guilty people. And that's the access you need. Ask him for it, and he will grant it. Well, maybe you don't see that. Maybe you consider yourself to be a respectable person and that others are the problem. You need to see that we're all under the condemnation of God. The crowd, they were there, they were watching. And at the end, they went away. They beat their breasts because they repented. They saw what they had done was evil. Rejecting Jesus, Jesus as king is evil. And Jesus alone can grant access to God. And he does it by being judged for our sins. 